in Charleston live by four members of the Berkeley Post 14 Hornets Legion team as we're down here at this covering the state tournament. We're joined by from right to left, Braden Stoudemire, uh, Chase Herndon, Landon Sifford, and Connor Bailey. Uh, we'll start first with uh, you, Braden. How you doing? How you guys doing today? And uh, you had a great start the other day. Unfortunately for you, uh, you just it, the hitting offensively wasn't there, but it was a good overall quality start. Yeah, um, you know, I, I threw well, but overall too many free bases, and the free bases hurt at the end of the day. Those little blue pits got to me, got people in scoring position. Both of them were led by singles to give them their two runs. And the guys weren't very productive on offense, yeah, but there's still something I could have done about it. But overall, it was a loss. We have to deal with it. We got to grit out the rest of this. And then for you, Chase, yesterday really got the bats going, had a three RBI game as well to help that uh, comeback be launched for the win to survive in advance. Just talk a little bit about that game specifically. Um, that was just an overall team, big team win. Um, I think we did a lot better with taking pitches and just swinging at pitches that we know that we can smash. I think yesterday one of our biggest problems was just walks, and I think if we cut down the walks, we can win this game tonight. And Sifford, for you, behind the plate yesterday, you had a good game, but uh, also hitting, you went two for three, had an RBI, a walk, a run scored. Um, it seemed like yesterday, just as Chase was talking about, up and down the lineup, everybody seemed to uh, get on or at least score a run and, and be productive in the ball game. Yeah, it was a fun game. Um, we went down. We just we kept like we kept like yelling at yelling at ourselves, just saying like, "Hey, we need to, we need to win this game." Like, there's no no ifs ands about it. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun game to grit out, and we just we got that got those two timely hits with. Uh, Chase and I, and it worked out in our favor and ended up putting it within one, and then we brought it back in the seventh and did well. So, And then for you, Connor, uh, getting the job done each time up the bat in that leadoff role with two hits, three walks. Uh, just talk about, I guess, your approach up there yesterday. Well, just, give, just taking what they're giving me, you know. If they're going to give me a walk, I'll take it all day. But I'm just trying to get on base and do my job. That's about it. This one just a follow-up open for any of you guys, whoever wants to pick this up. Uh, each game's been decided by one run each time. Just talk about, I guess, the adversity, unfortunately, one of them being a loss, but being within an arm's reach in each game, either for a win or for a loss, just how tough that's been this week. You know, you can uh, you can tell our dugout is, like, way more into this than any other regular season game. You know, our guys are up and loud and rowdy and, and these one-run games, you know, it's it's a tough one to stick out and win because it's all on us. You know, if you're down one, you you have all the pressure. The other team's sitting in the driver's seat. And, you know, yesterday that was a perfect example. Went into the seventh, we're down one, we're all pressured. Other team's sitting in the driver's seat, we still made it happen. We scored two in the seventh, went out, shut them down, put up a zero, and won the game. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing. Like, yeah, I feel like we are all, all locked into, the, like, this tournament and everything. Um I mean, first inning yesterday, five up, and we were just all loud and rowdy. And then we kind of got, kind of got content. And then after that first inning, Lane threw well the first two. And after that, they started chipping away, chipping away, and they ended up having a lead. And it was just not good from then on. Yeah, the loss that we had really lit a fire underneath of us, and we just feel like we have the tournament locked up from now on, honestly. And uh, for your team this year, it seems like it, obviously a good mix of guys coming back from last year that went to college and then guys that are seniors that have graduated. 
and, you know, a few guys on your team that are juniors. How do you think that a bunch of the guys coming back from last year kind of made this team to be, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it necessarily a team of destiny, but make you guys want to win and win and get to the regional and then hopefully to the national tournament? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, last year we thought it was the best squad we've had, and the year before that was honestly probably an even better squad, but we never really did what we needed to do. Obviously, two years ago it was a, it was a heartbreak situation. I mean, we didn't get to go to States because of some like mess up in the system and everything. This year, I mean, going down, only playing three games, and it was just rough, like losing that, losing that third one, especially losing the opening one as well, which the team we beat in the opening game this year. Um, I mean, we say. I mean, we were just talking about it in our group chat that we have. I mean, this is the best team we. I feel like we have, and um, we're gonna take advantage of that and see if we can do go all the way. And I think it's uh, also about chemistry. You know, these guys. I've been around these guys for two years now. You know, high school ball playing against them or coming into the summer playing on this team with them. You know, we we know each other well. We know what we like to do, and it helps us get the job done at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a lot of our last years too. So we just want to lay it all on the line, give it our best. So, with the state tournament uh, going up against all these different teams around the state, you guys are familiar with your opponents either from high school or even collegiately playing with them, playing against them. Just talk a little bit about, I guess, getting to know some of those guys from different teams as well. If anybody does, it's not my <laughs> bad on that. I wasn't sure, but yeah, you know, there's still some from other state tournament-wise or anything like that, but. One of my college coaches is on the Morgantown uh, coaching for them, so I talk with them a bunch about the games and everything. And it's just a little friendly rivalry, really. But we're just going to lay it all on, on the line, and it's fun to play against them, really. And uh, obviously you guys come through the area state ter- or st- the area tournament win uh, that against Potomac Valley, but Potomac Valley also uh, getting the win going on to the Final Four today. Uh, how does that think? How do you guys think that represents kind of the whole Eastern Panhandle, like extended, I guess, out to like Hampshire County and, and over there? Just because it seems like across the state, uh, in all sports, that kind of the Eastern Panhandle is unfairly shown against, you know, the, especially the area we're in right now, or Morgantown, or even in Wheeling. Yeah, uh, I feel like we have a lot of talent up, up in the Eastern Panhandle, and obviously a little bit low. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of like the Metro News and everything is like credit credits the like southern like uh, teams and everything, and we don't really get the recognition we deserve. I mean, you guys do a great job like during the high school season to actually like get us out there and stuff. But um, yeah, really, I mean, I feel like I mean, um, I mean, we don't really get to show our talents versus the versus those teams because they don't really want to put up the contract with us to. Uh, up for us to go there, and they don't want to come back and play us in the East Panhandle. So it's kind of it's kind of a rough situation to actually get those games in during the season. Tell us a little bit about the team bonding that you guys get to do throughout the uh, weeks or different tournaments throughout the year. Whenever you're not on the field, we play a lot of cards. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of poker. A lot of poker. A lot of blackjack. We've been playing a little PS5 lately this year. Uh, yeah, last year it was a lot of a lot of cards. Oh yeah, golfing. Golfing. Yeah. Who's the best? Best at what? Golfer? Who's the best either at golf or even just all the different card games that you uh, guys have He just play? said me for golf, so but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. But well, cards, I mean, cards. I mean, Ruest always gets the yeah. best hand some yeah. of, most of the time. Heaven rub. Yeah. Riley Bub. Riley Bub, yeah. And uh, this is not a question about your team specifically, but for the just the Legion organization post-14, to see the success that the juniors had this year to win the state championship and uh, – 
knowing that, you know, at least for you, Lane, I believe you'll be able to come back next year and some of those guys will be your teammates. What does that mean kind of just for post-14 as a whole that the juniors come in this year, this is the first time in a while there's been a team and they come and dominate, have 24 wins on the season to win the state tournament? Yeah, I mean, I talked with Tripp. I was like, uh, why can't we get the, get them to be like a B team to our like to us? And he said the state wouldn't allow that. So, I mean, I, I feel like they could go up and match up to Potomac Valley and come to states with us. I mean, I think they're that good. I mean, it's a lot of young kids that have great talent and everything. I mean, there there's some studs down there. So moving forward for today, you guys are now, even though there's still four teams left, technically because of Morgantown uh, hosting regionals, automatically getting to go to regionals even if they don't win the state championship here with four teams remaining, you guys only need two more wins to make it to that regional, and you guys get to play Morgantown today, a team that hasn't lost. So even more pressure on that and still being an elimination game for you guys with the loss. Uh, what are you guys, I guess, looking at for today's game to get the job done? Uh, you go ahead, Chase. Go ahead. Um, I think if we uh, keep the walks down and just keep putting pressure on Morgantown and just keep the fire in the dugout, I think we can win this game. I really do. I think we got to play aggressive today. We can't play conservative. We got to get up early, show yeah. them, show them that we're going to be aggressive all game and we're going to get to it. So I feel like we need to put the pressure on them and not have the pressure on us today because that's the one thing we've been doing wrong. We've had the pressure on us a lot. So I think we put the pressure on them. They're going to be the ones that are going to crack and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I mean I know they're two and zero and they don't really have anything to lose, but. I think the pressure is all on them. I mean, they're the, one, the only team left that's undefeated, and we're the ones that are pretty much wanting to fight back. So I feel like we're going to have a great game tonight and see what see what we can do. Yeah, just win no matter what, really. We have nothing else to lose this game. So lay it out all online. I know you guys, it's the summer. You're used to playing the heat, but this week it just seems like it's been unbearably heat, you, it, unbearably hot. Do you think that having the game tonight is going to help you guys maybe uh, have a little bit more burst in yourselves? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, first two games, or first three, have all been, like, midday, and they've all been, like, unbearably hot. I mean, I caught two of them, and uh, yesterday was probably the worst. It was it was awful out there. I mean, I feel like all of us are excited for the night game, and I feel like it's really going to help us out. Got anything else? If not, I don't. Wrap things up here. First segment, sponsored in part by Parsons Ford, Kent Parsons Ford of Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. Thanks, guys, for coming on, and we'll see you later today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, we'll be back after this two-minute break. You're tuned into the Sportsmax on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Sportsmax live from Charleston, West Virginia. Spencer, we Colin McLaughlin and Dylan Bishop joins us now as we uh, begin the second segment of today's show. We'll look back at the uh, first couple of games here in the Legion Tournament and um, the state tournament down here as Post 14 gets the 10-9 victory last night or yesterday. They are going on to take Morgan, going to take on Morgantown Post 2 tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, it's been a great few days of baseball. We've been able to see some other games uh, at the end, either. Uh, waiting for the games to end or just starting when we're getting ready to leave. Yeah, they've all been competitive, and that's what we expected here within the uh, state tournament. I know yesterday I think there was a 14-2 to game, but other than that, they've all been uh, pretty solid for each other. As we mentioned earlier, Morgantown, the only undefeated team left, and that's kind of set up the bracket to potentially be a little bit tricky for 
everybody as uh, the rest of the gang here for Post 14 heads out after last segment. Um, but looking at that bracket now and just the trickiness of it all with Morgantown being the only one undefeated, they still have to face double elimination even though everybody else has had one loss. So if Post 14 is to win today against Morgantown, that give Morgantown its first loss. However, with the other two teams, South Charleston and Potomac Valley, going up against each other, one of those teams would be eliminated with a loss, meaning tomorrow there would be three teams remaining. So Morgantown still with a technical winner's advantage from up until if they lose to post-14, being the undefeated team, would actually have a bye tomorrow, which would mean post-14 would play the winner of South Charleston, who they lost to already, and then Potomac Valley, who is the Area 4 runner-up to the champion of Berkeley post-14. And then after that, that winner would play Morgantown again for the state championship. Yeah, so basically, if it plays out like you just mentioned, Colin, uh, then if post-14 wins tonight and then they get to play either South Charleston or Potomac Valley tomorrow. If they win that game and they make it to the finals, to the championship, they'll automatically be in the region tournament no matter what. They'd like to to go as the West Virginia State champion. Uh, but either way, they're going to make the regional tournament, which would be next week, I believe, August 2nd to 6th in Morgantown at Dale Miller Field. So, uh, you know, just two more wins, and they're in the regional tournament, which is something that they have their eyes set on. Right, yeah, I think that they have the capability to do it. It's going to be a question of, you know, can the pitching continue to show up? I think there's a good chance that we'll see Carson Boober on the mound today starting out. And will it be more like the first two games, or will it be more like yesterday, where, you know, they gave up a whole lot of walks, pretty much no matter who the pitcher was, except for Caleb Fletcher, who came in and had a great performance getting you know not the save but he came in with the deficit and they were able to to get those runs back and he got the win so we'll see if they can keep that up and if the bats can finally stay alive like they did yesterday compared to the first two games so it's kind of been a tale of two teams really the pitching shows up one day the offense has showed up the others, and they haven't really been able to get both at the same time yet. So we'll see if they can do that today. Yeah, a tough outing yesterday to start things out for Lane DeLauder, who had a 5 nothing lead going into the bottom of the first where he would start pitching. But I think the heat is probably a factor in all these games. We talked about it with the players uh, being in that unbearable heat. I mean, Sifford catching two of those three games uh, you know, in that unbearable heat. But he only goes two and a third yesterday, three hits, five runs, seven walks, four strikeouts. It felt like to me, uh, you know, it was maybe hard for him to control, to locate, I guess. But then he was able to get strikeouts. I say that because maybe it was a little. You saw him going to the rosin bag a lot during. You saw every pitcher yesterday going to the rosin bag. But it, it felt like it was either a walk or strikeout for him during the outing. It seemed like he was either walking guys or striking out, only giving up three hits. Unfortunately, those five earned runs. Jackson Ruest comes in in a very long inning as uh, he has to get out of the uh, get out of that second inning and then uh, or that third inning and then pitch part of the fourth inning. He gives up two hits, three runs, two of those earned, five walks, just one strikeout. And uh, unfortunately for him, and I guess the correctness of the official pitching 
he goes over the two-day limit, he goes to 46, which I believe 45 is, you can go up to 45 and pitch in two days or one day. So I, I believe he is done for the rest of the tournament, unfortunately, on the mound, which is hard when uh, you know you already lose late in the water. Uh, you lose Braden Stoudemire for the week. You have Jason Myers who'll be able to pitch tomorrow if you make it to tomorrow. Um, but unfortunately, you lose Jackson Ruest as well. But and then you also lose Caleb Fletcher who has to come in in three and two thirds and mop up duty. But he he gets the win yesterday. He gives up just three hits, one run, not earned while striking out five. He's been phenomenal when he's coming to this tournament, guys. Yeah, he really has, and that's been. Great. Also, just to kind of touch on those numbers that you gave, I know you're looking at Game Changer, and it's nothing against you. Uh, the Game Changer just for post-14 hasn't been most accurate, it looks like, uh, for this tournament because it only has one error for Berkeley post-14, and that, I think, is coming at a different time. When you remember looking back at that game, uh, even for the first scoring there for Lane with the five runs given up, uh, that second run was a ground ball that was right to him, and you probably could say that that was an error because uh, it was an overthrow there for um, Jackson as well that also gave up the three runs because Reed came in. So there were a few times where those charged runs probably shouldn't have been earned compared to what it says on here because of some overthrows defensively throughout that game, whether it was Lane having the ground ball to him and then the low throw to Jackson at first or from there with the throw from, I believe it was uh, Bob at third that went over the head of Reed when Jackson came in to pitch. So it was just different things that unfortunately couldn't get them out of the innings. But yeah, other than that, for that game, just the determination to come back and see guys finally get bats to balls eventually in that game because that that was tough to come by. I mean, that first inning, like you said, five runs, but it was still only two hits up until that fifth inning because once they took out Hodgson, who gave up four walks, it was Myers that was wheeling and dealing, really pitching to contact and getting the outs up until eventually they found the bats, and from there it was just a different story for post-14. Yeah, and I honestly, if we're being honest, Wheeling kind of bailed them out in that last inning because there were there's some plays on the ground to their infielders where they, they made errors, and that allowed post-14 to tie the game back up and then take take the lead at the very end. But, but obviously they were able to put those balls in play at the very least for their, you know, for their batters to you know have a chance at that kind of situation. But... It was kind of that starting pitching that didn't quite get there. And like I said, it's are they going to be able to get the offense and the pitching to show up today? Both. So far, it's only been one or the other. Yeah. And uh, so they'll take on Morgantown Post 2 tonight at 7 p.m. Our pregame coverage on uh, Radio Comcast Channel 10 and WRNR TV on YouTube will begin at 645. It's interesting because they've been at tournaments. They've hosted one tournament and been to the Morgantown Woodbat Tournament. But they haven't faced Morgantown at all this year. Kind of interesting for post-14. They haven't seen each other in live game action. Obviously, Tripp was, and some of the players, obviously watching some of those games there when uh, post-14 held their tournament. They weren't in the same side of the bracket and didn't make it to the championship. Um, But it's a 
teams that haven't seen each other but obviously have probably seen each other play at some point during the season. I'm glad that you were one step ahead of me because while you were talking there, I was actually looking for the same thing to see if uh, Berkeley Post-14 has played Morgantown or not because I knew they were in the Woodbent tournament and Morgan Post-14 won, and I knew Morgantown that following weekend was actually down at the uh, tournament that Post-14 hosted but never met. So looking forward to seeing these two uh, get the go at it. And you heard the determination from the four guys that we had from the team today. Uh, Really looking forward to this game to hopefully get one step closer to not only a state championship, but that regional championship. And as we said earlier, two games to get to that regional champion or regional tournament, excuse me, because of the fact that Morgantown makes it either way. You still, however, need three wins to be crowned the state champion. So I guess it, even though you're probably frustrated that that situation happens because if there were no undefeated teams left, it'd be two more wins for anybody. You wouldn't have that third game. But because of the scenario, you're okay with it being Morgantown and not anybody else because you still have two wins to get there other than three if it was a team like Potomac Valley that was in the seat that Morgantown's in or if it was South Charleston that was in that seat. Yeah, and for post-14, they are lucky enough, I think, that they just have so many pitchers on their pitching staff that if they have to play three more games, they can do it because yet to play, they'll play Carson Buber tonight. I would think Chase Herndon obviously is available. We know that. Uh, you can – Baden Hartman's available to pitch. Uh, Jason Myers will pitch tomorrow if they make it there. Um, Trevor Bohr is available to pitch. I believe Riley Bubb can pitch too if needed. Um, but that just means you have to have a quality outing tonight from Carson Buber. That's the unfortunate thing is Carson Buber's probably got to go six innings tonight. Yeah, if you don't get a great start out of Boober, it, the even if you win tonight, it's, it's going to be of the, tough. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough rest of the tournament to try to win it. So, but also I mentioned they have Trevor Bohr, and uh, if you need him to come in, Trevor shut the door. Bohr, as Nick nicknamed him during the high school season. I mean, you have him can be can throw if needed. We saw him throw against these Hardy in high school in 2022. You don't want to get there, but, you know, unfortunately, Oviedo's not with them this week. Stoudemire's burned for the rest of the week. Caleb Fletcher's burned for the rest of the week. I don't believe Cam Moore pitches. Um, Colin Reed doesn't pitch anymore. I don't know if Connor Bailey pitches. Griffin Horowitz had to go back to Army West Point early. We see Ruess got burned. I don't think Sifford pitches. He probably could pitch if he had to. We haven't seen Hartman pitch in a while. He yeah. hasn't pitched much at all this summer. He had that injury at the end of the uh, high true, school so maybe season. That is, and I the think, reason why. I think also too, where he's. I'm not too certain if he has already committed, or if his plans are. If everything's gone through to play, I believe at Hagerstown Community College, if he's only going to be a fielder. That could also be why they're not focused on him pitching. Maybe. Because they're trying to get the guys that are going to pitch at either in high school next year or at the next level. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how tonight comes out. It'll be Carson Buber most likely on the mound. And for him, you need to have a great performance in order to, uh, I think, be able to stick and get to... If you beat Morgantown, Morgantown obviously will still be playing. So I, I think for them, it... 
would be good for Carson. It would be great. Obviously, Carson Buber himself probably wants to have a great outing, but you need a great outing in order to continue in the tournament, it feels like, at a good pace. Yeah, you look at his numbers right now. He's pitched 15 and two-thirds on that mound uh, in eight games. Only started, however, twice so far this season. So you expect him. I mean, we, we know from the high school season that he's a solid pitcher. He can go out there and get the job done. What I'm looking at now that I think is going to be the tricky part because of how many pitchers you've already used and a few of them being P.O.'s for this team. Some have the opportunity to go out into the field, but it's going to get tough for this team, I feel like, because of how many pitchers are already burned for the rest of this tournament to figure out a lineup where you still want the guys that you truly want in that one through nine, because the way this state tournament's set up now, the only way you can have a designated hitter, which, of course, has for the most part been Colin Reed this entire tournament, is if they DH for the pitcher. And even though the numbers haven't really shown, unfortunately, for Boober, he's still putting bat to ball. Even yesterday, even though I believe it was an 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 day, a lot of them were flyouts or just unfortunate line drives yeah. right to a fielder. So if you're Trip Tobin, in my mind, this is just my opinion, you probably don't want him out of the lineup, which means you can't DH then, but you still want Reed in the lineup, which means he goes to first, which means Rue West probably has to go into the outfield. So who do you have from the outfield that you take out of that lineup? It's going to be tough. Well, and Jordan Camby didn't play yesterday. That factor to him going back in, and I mean, it's always tough because there's so many guys. So a, I don't know if you're going to have a DH tonight. Yes. Yeah. So or the rest of the tournament. I think if we're going off of what they've done so far, Landon Sifford caught yesterday. Cam Moore might catch today. If they, they've been so with the heat and everything, Landon, we just sat here and told you he's caught two or three games. Cam caught the other one. If they're alternating, you could see Cam in. Uh, you know, behind the plate today, and you could see you know Herndon in the left, Camby in, or Bailey in left, Herndon in right, Camby in center. Or I I think honestly, it's if you're Trip Tobin right now trying to make this lineup in Ethan as well, I think it's tough because of the day that that Landon Sifford had at the plate yesterday. He did. I, I think it's hard for you to want to take him out of the lineup. We've seen him play left field. Uh, to me, I think maybe you put him in that DH role. That's what I was I was thinking. If you have that DH role, because um, Tripp told us earlier in, in explaining this and us saying, do you have a DH? Unfortunately, Colin Reed is not going to be here for the rest of the tournament. Uh, he had to go home, I believe, had a... Oh, uh, I did not know that. Yeah. He was... We were going to tell you at some point. <laughs> well, then this breaking, entire, we're breaking the news this entire now, thing that I brought up is kind of breaking the news now. now. But as I said, they might not have a DH, but you got to think about putting Landon Sifford in that DH spot I, because of the way he's I think th- I think that's how I go about it is probably have Ruest at first, Cam Moore behind the plate, Sifford at DH, Bailey in left, Camby in center, Herndon in right. And you're starting Carson Boomer on the mound, Baden Hartman is second, Stottlemyre at short, Bob at third. 
Yeah, it'll be. I just threw out my entire point, though, here that I was trying to make. Yeah, I thought you, you heard it. If you brought that up five minutes ago, or if I heard that, well, Trip told me. I, I didn't hear I that. I think no. what it was is Trip didn't well, want me to make it a point when the players were on with us that they were going to be okay. missing their best hitter. Right. I mean, undoubtedly, Colin Reed, the best hitter this summer, yes. four post fourteen, hitting around five thirty. It's just an amazing number. But the point I started <laughs> with was, started how do you figure out? With I heard him too. being the DH. I wasn't sure if it was someone we were supposed to keep on the low or not. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Trip. <laughs> That's my fault if you wanted that uh, not mentioned. I don't think anybody from Morgantown Post Two is tuning in well, right now. Uh, but uh, that will do it here for this. <laughs> For this segment of the Sports Mix, uh, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store any longer. Get your Traeger grills at Orsini's at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or online at Orsini's.com. On the other side of this two-minute break, we'll talk TBT action from last night. As heard that, got the best of best Virginia, John Elmore called game in Elam ending. We'll talk about that on the other side of this two-minute break. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix, live from Charleston. Live from Charleston, West Virginia, as we're down here on the banks of the Canal River, just across the river from where baseball will be played this evening in the West Virginia American Legion State Tournament as Berkeley Post 14. We'll take on Morgantown Post 2, 7 p.m. is first pitch, 6.45 will go on there for our pregame coverage talked about that we were joined by four members of the team uh in Braden Stoudemire Landon Sifford Chase Herndon and Connor Bailey in segment one segment two we uh kind of broke down yesterday's games the tournament so far for post 14 and looking ahead to tonight's game against Morgantown uh but now we'll talk about something that has been for the last couple of seasons in Charleston unfortunately this year there is an international table tennis tournament taking place at the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center. So that tournament, the basketball tournament, uh, ended up getting moved to Wheeling, to West Baco Arena, where the Wheeling Nailers play. Uh, And last night was the region semifinal action between Best Virginia and Heard That, the two teams representing the state of West Virginia. Best Virginia, obviously, the West Virginia alumni team, and Heard That, the Marshall alumni team. And... uh, Interesting game last night, uh, as heard that wins. John Elmore sinks the Elam ending three uh, to get the win, and heard that win seventy four to sixty one. And for Best Virginia, it just didn't seem like they were going on all cylinders, Colin. Yeah, it was just a first off lack of shooting performance throughout the entire lineup for Best Virginia, shooting an abysmal, I believe, thirty and a half percent from field goals and then uh, only making 5 of 29, so 17.2% for three-pointers. So they just never got a rhythm going, and unlike the previous seasons when Best Virginia has gotten the best of heard that, they uh, failed to out-rebound heard that and failed to stop the fast-breaking transition points because that's when heard that is at its best is when it can go in transition that's what they like to do is that run and gun style of play to beat you and from previous seasons the out rebounding side of things was because they had the size advantage and this year it just seemed like that was not the case for best virginia so heard that was clearly the better team and once they really had their style of play dominating the game is when you saw them eventually take over. Because the first half, even though they were keeping it close, 
West Virginia was able to still have its style of play, never give her that the rhythm that it needed, but in that second half, it was a complete different story. Yeah, I don't think that it helps that Eric Stevenson got in foul trouble, was taken out for most of the second half, really. I mean, middle way through the third quarter into the fourth quarter, and he comes back in around the Elam ending time and then gets that sixth and final foul and fouls out of the contest, finishes with just nine points. Uh, he was one of the guys that contributed to their 17.2% from beyond the arc, just one of seven from beyond the arc. Um, he only has nine points. Kevin Jones leads the way with 18. He goes six of 12 from the field. He's got 13 boards, so a double-double for him, but it just seemed like not having Eric Stevenson in there for a good portion of the time, he's your sharpshooter. He's the guy that won it in the Elam ending for you uh, if you're best Virginia in game one against the boys' dream. Uh, just not having him seemed like to be the Achilles heel for best Virginia. Looking at her, that John Elmore has 16 points, six boards. Uh, James Kelly, also a Marshall alum, has 16 points as well. He has nine boards. Uh, Gray, I believe, is Rob Gray. I can't remember where he went to school. He had 15 points, not a Marshall alum. Uh, and then J.P. Tococo, uh seven points. It just seemed like they were taking over the game at the end of the ball game when it was towards the Elam ending. For a while there, it seemed like nobody wanted to win the game in the Elam ending. Uh, but it happens there. Marshall, the alumni team, gets the win. Uh Jared West comes in. Unfortunately, he's a Marshall alum. He has no points. Ja'Cory Williams gets ejected trying to what looked like to be, from his side, a friendly conversation uh, with Eric Stevenson. But Eric Stevenson uh, kind of says, get the F out of here, essentially. Yeah, and it then, seemed like that was basically what he said. Yeah, and then it, that things some escalated, yep. and then he got a technical as well. That was part of him fouling out of the ball game was getting that technical um, Tavion Kinsey goes 0 for 3 in the in the game, kind of un, unceremoniously, like for him, uh, you know, not to have any points. But heard that gets double figures from four of their five starters, and then uh, from Cook Jr. off the bench gets 10 points, and that gets their win 74-61. They'll take on Challenge ALS, uh, Florida in the West Virginia Regional Championship this Saturday, 2 p.m., so tomorrow you can watch that game on ESPN+. Plus. But it seemed like, for the most part, a fun atmosphere in Wheeling, but not as fun as I think it would have been in the Coliseum like it had been here in Charleston the last few years. Yeah, it didn't look like a uh, sellout looking at that game uh, yesterday in Wheeling. And for West Virginia, um, the question now is, if there's a next season of Best Virginia, will you see Kevin Jones and will you see John Flowers on the team? When we had Kevin Jones on the sports mix uh, to preview the TBT, he told us it was going to be most likely his last season. And then during the TBT, that first game against Dubois Dreams, that Best Virginia was able to just barely uh, win. We also heard on the broadcast that it might be John Flowers last season. So, We'll have to see uh, if they change their minds and give it one last go around next year or if those two guys will have to be replaced with uh, some more alumni. It was sad to not see John Flowers out on that floor um, just because people knew it was potentially going to be his last season. But one that was really surprising that we did not see was Sean McNeil didn't get any minutes 
in that game, and he, he's not as good, but still one of those shooters to compare out on the floor to somebody like Eric Stevenson when if he gets hot, it's typically the difference maker. So you would have maybe liked to see him out there. Yeah. yeah. You would have hoped to at least. And, and hopefully, you know, we heard on the ESPN broadcast also that, you know, if the best Virginia's uh, coaching staff has anything to say about it, Kevin Jones and, Eric, and uh, John Flowers will be back. But hopefully they can get one more season in at least with, a you know, a little bit of a longer run. And, yeah, I, I, it is a little surprising that McNeil wasn't, at least there with foul trouble to Stevenson kind of trying to fill that same role. And, you know, you didn't get the good shooting from Stevenson when he was out there either, which, you know, he's streaky from time to time. It's not the most surprising thing in the world. But uh, that's just how basketball can go sometimes. It's it's a make-or-miss league, even in the TBT. Yeah, and I think for them creating the West Virginia Regional, it's hard for them to put West Virginia and Marshall and her that as a – first second round matchup because then you know like i mean you think both these teams are going to win their first round games you know you're going to get people coming to the game yep just because of those two teams in the in the arena friend of the show uh my friend from college we've had him on the show before tyler kennett was up there covering it for the paper that he works for in the clarksburg morgantown area and he sent me a picture as he was finishing, or he sent a, posted a picture on social media as he was finishing up his story, what the stands looked like during them heard that best Virginia game. And then as he was finishing up his story while he was still sitting on press row for the 9 p.m. game with Challenge ALS Florida winning, there, it, it was like a 90% difference. I wonder, though, y- you mentioned how they've intentionally set it up to where it's a second-round matchup between these two in-state opponents. If they did that differently to try to set it up for the region championship, would it be better attended because it's a weekend? Yeah, but you can't say that both teams are going to win and get to the region championship. No, I I, I get that. You probably have a better shot of them winning first round each to get to the second round. And I completely understand that. But at the same time, it was a night game on a work night. Yeah, that is very, very true. And in Wheeling, where... You know, if you're in Charleston, it's, what, a two-hour and 45-minute drive for people coming from the the Morgantown area and then a 45-minute drive for people coming from the Huntington area. I know a lot of people personally that were at that game last year that didn't make the trip up to Wheeling mm-hmm. this year. Uh, but obviously we'll talk about the championship on Monday. I've heard that's able to get the win. But that will do it here for this segment, brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the side of this break, we'll wrap things up. Uh, the first couple of days of training camp have wrapped up for the Commanders as well as the Ravens. Uh, we'll get Dylan's uh, t- thoughts on the Ravens, Colin and I's thoughts on the Commanders, and uh, the fan experience at the Commanders one as well. You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. We'll wrap things up after this two-minute break. Have, uh, we'll be back in two minutes. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Charleston, as we for the Legion State Tournament action tonight, Martin, or not Martinsburg, Berkeley Post 14 will take on Morgantown Post 2, 7 p.m. We'll have pregame coverage, 645, uh, right here on radio, as well as Comcast Channel 10 and WRNR TV on YouTube. But the last five minutes or so, we'll talk uh, a little NFL training camp action as they begin this week. 
and Colin, or yeah, Colin, it, it's been kind of just a, a complete turnaround from one year ago for the Commanders training camp when it comes to fan experience. Uh, in just a couple of days, as there is a post of picture posted by Nikki Javala of the Washington Post of the fans lag the lack of fans last year versus the droves of fans, the thousands of fans that have already come out to Commanders training camp, the bleachers that they've installed, the VIP area. Kevin Durant was there today. Yesterday, the Virginia governor was there trying to, I bet, make his ploy for a Virginia stadium. Uh, the Commander's new owners went down to D.C. to talk to Mayor Mariel Bowser about going to the RFK site. Just a lot of things happening here in the last week since it's been a week since the Commanders have introduced Josh Harris, the new ownership group from FedEx Field, but the training camp very well attended. And, you know, from the fan experience part, it seems to be an A-plus performance so far. Yeah, it's been uh, great to see that the ownership change has uh, seemingly made a very quick positive impact on the fan base and the team itself. You've seen uh, from Ron Rivera, there's been fans yelling, no BS, just football now, and he turns around, gives a smile, gives a thumbs up. You've heard the same thing from Chase Young. Now they don't have the outside distractions. They can solely focus on just the team itself and even Deron Payne's back today yeah, and for the, a training the thank camp. You, thank you, Josh. The signing of autographs continued yesterday for Josh Harris. An all-around difference and uh, early indications say Sam Howell's throwing some pretty good balls as well. Yeah, it seems like he's going to be quarterback one, and hopefully uh, his connection with Terry McLaurin is obviously going to be crucial for the success of the passing game. Yeah, and uh, Dylan, let's turn our attention now to the Ravens. You're the resident Ravens fan here today with Nick back in the studio. Uh, I've been seeing things on Twitter. It seems like the Lamar Jackson to OBJ connection already in midseason form, and then he's not even the best receiver that they have so far. Right, there's kind of the cloud that's looming over training camp of the fact that J.K. Dobbins is holding out at the moment, which is you know a running back not getting what he wants with contract. Not surprising, but uh, other than that, that that's a developing story. We can that, tackle that another time. But the wide receiver group is going to be the the big thing for this year in general with the new offensive coordinator Todd Monk and bringing in what's probably going to be a lot more of a passing offense than Greg Roman brought in and yeah Odell Beckham is hopefully back to something close to his you know top form at least what he was with the Rams before getting hurt but then Zay Flowers the first round pick has kind of to a lot of people looked like the best receiver that they have so uh, you know Rashad Bateman I believe is still on the pup list hasn't been able to uh, come back to training camp yet so hopefully he gets back in the mix and you have those three guys that Lamar can throw to along with Mark Andrews, and you still have Gus Edwards in the backfield, if nothing else. Justice Hill as well. They just signed Melvin Gordon. So I, I have, a, I have a, a lot of faith in this Ravens team this year. I think if the wide receivers stay healthy, that I, I think they should be considered on that top tier of AFC contenders. Yeah, and uh, both of these teams will actually joint practice together. Uh, at the Ravens Under Armour Performance Center in Owings Mills, August 15th and 16th, and uh, that's before their August 21st preseason game. Uh, that should be a fun time to see those two teams go at it in joint practice before their preseason game. Yeah, the joint practices are always pretty interesting. So we'll see how those go, see if any fights start, because it feels like, you know, it seems like one out of every four joint practices teams have across the NFL, there's a fight that breaks out. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, but one other thing about Commanders, it seems like Chase Young uh, has 
shredded his knee brace and looks a lot faster, so that'd be good as he goes into a contract season. Uh, but we'll wrap things up here live from Charleston here in downtown Charleston, West Virginia. I want to thank uh, the Berkeley Post 14 Hornets players for coming on. Thanks to Trip Tobin for driving them down for Braden Stoudemire, Chase Herndon, Landon Sifford, and Connor Bailey. For Nick Verzellini back in the studio, Dylan Bishop, Colin McLaughlin, I'm Spencer Pui saying so long. We'll talk to you later today, 645 for the pregame between Post 14 and Post 2. Have a great rest of your day, everyone.